Let me invite you to take your copy of God's Word today. Join me in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 23 this morning. 2 Samuel chapter 23, we're winding down our series through the book of Samuel. And today we're going to look at the 23rd chapter in a sermon entitled, Unforgettable Heroes. Unforgettable Heroes, and we're going to pick up the reading in 2 Samuel 23, verse number 8 today. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. And then he names a series of these men. We're going to look at just a few of them this morning. And depending upon um, the translation you carry, you may see some of the names listed a little bit differently. But I'm reading for the King James. These were the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains, the same was Adino, the, the um, Enzite. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahoite, one of three mighty men with David, when they defeated the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand claved to the sword, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. And after him was Shema, the son of Agi, the Herorite. Uh, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. Now may God add his blessings today as we look at unforgettable heroes, unforgettable heroes. September the 11th, 2001 began like any other ordinary late summer day. But in just a little while, that ordinary day turned into anything that would in any way, shape, or form be ordinary. When the skies were clear and the sun shining and thousands of airplanes preparing to take off and to transport passengers from location to location, on that morning, and if you're old enough to remember that, you'll know exactly where you were when you received the news of those 19 hijackers whom had hijacked four American airliners and were using them to attack America. Three of those airliners, two were crashed into the World Trade Centers. The third was into the uh, Pentagon and a little around 3,000 people, I believe it is. Lives were taken that day in that terrorist attack. There was a fourth airplane that never reached its final destination. And we learned later that apparently the final destination would have been in our nation's capital with a target as the Capitol building. Fortunately, those passengers of Flight 93, as they were pushed to the back of the plane by the hijackers, they took a vote among themselves and they decided that they were going to fight back. They kind of armed themselves with anything that they could find on the airplane. They charged the cockpit trying to take over the aircraft. One young lady by the name of Lisa Beamer, her husband tried to give her a call on the airphone, on the airplane. 
and through the conversations of multiple passengers on the airplane and then the cockpit voice recorders later on following the crash, the last words that Lisa Beamer ever heard her husband Todd say were the words, let's roll. And with that, the passengers tried to take control of the airplane and it crashed in the fields of Shanksville, Pennsylvania. The word hero is defined as a person who is admirable, a person who has idealized for courage, outstanding achievement, noble qualities. That morning, Todd Beamer and others like Jeremy Glick and Tom Burnett and many others on Flight 93 became to us as unforgettable heroes. As we bring 2 Samuel to a close, David has been surrounded by some men who helped him be successful in life, helped him be successful as king. And these would be men that we would call unforgettable heroes. The last couple of Sundays, if you've been with us, you know in chapter 15, we looked at unforgettable friends. And we talked about people like Ittai the Gittite and some of the others who came around David and they were friends to him in a very difficult time. And then last Sunday we looked at chapter 16 at unforgettable foes and we focused on a man by the name of Shimei who really had it out for David and wanted nothing more than to make David's life miserable. Well, what we're going to do for the balance of our time this morning is we're going to look at unforgettable heroes and we'll draw some inspiration from a few of these men that you find in the scriptures, men who were just ordinary men, but they did the extraordinary. Men like Todd Beamer, who was, by all accounts, average ordinary, but was able to do the extraordinary. So today, as we look at these men, I trust that God will prick in your heart and challenge you to be an unforgettable hero for God, that you'll do a a work for God that will outlast your own life here on this earth, and that God could use you and His kingdom. I know that being in the ministry for many years now, I've had heroes that I've looked up to, people that I have pastored, people that I've become friends with, that to me, to see their faith, to see their growth, to see their love for the Lord, to see their devotion to God, has been an inspiration to me over the course of my ministerial career. And to me, I could name them many of them uh, for you right now. I can see their faces, even as I'm preaching this message, many of them, that to me have been unforgettable heroes that have forever left an impression on my life. And I know we all have people people like that. But I pray that God would help us all to be those kind of people for the kingdom of God and be unforgettable heroes. Here in 2 Samuel 23, these men in David's list, and by the way, these are some of the last words of King David, and he lists about 30 or so men that were unforgettable. In fact, that's why they are enshrined here in this chapter. He lists these men as men who did a great amount with a little that they had to offer. They were indeed um, unforgettable heroes. Verse number 8 describes them as mighty men or mighty warriors, if you see that. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. These were the guys that would surround him and go to battle for him. 
Now, this was kind of a motley crew because if you go back to 1 Samuel 22, you can write that reference down and go back and look at it later. It's 1 Samuel 22, verse 2, if my memory serves me correctly. There were three classes of people mentioned in that passage whom followed David. It was those who were in debt. And they had the fear of being sold into slavery. They followed David as he was trying to become the king of Israel. There was also those who were in distress. People who were being persecuted by King Saul. And then the third group was those who were discontented or unhappy with the hand that life had dealt them. All of these men, average men, ordinary men, regular men, run-of-the-mill men, they came around David and they were going to become unforgettable heroes. And the one thing they had in common above all else is their unwavering devotion to see David become king. They loved David. They believed that God had anointed him as the next king. And although David was still running from Saul, these men would come around David and they would support him and help him be successful as a king. So let me give you just a couple of these guys as we move through this story this morning. First of all, uh, you will see in verse number 8, the courage of Joshua, or if you carry the King James, his name is Adino. Notice in verse number 8, these are the names of the mighty men. The Tacmonite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains, the same was Adino. Notice what he did. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. I want you to note the courage of Adino. We know very little about this man. We know next to nothing about this man. But one thing we can say for sure is this is a man who had great courage. All he had by the way of of armor was a spear. And he goes up against 800 Philistine soldiers And the Bible says that God gives a great victory. Now listen, I would not be in favor of those kind of numbers or those kind of odds to think that I had to take a spear and go into a battle against 800 people. Well, here was a man who apparently had such great courage, such resolve, and such confidence in God knowing that David was going to become the king, that he put his very life on the line and goes to battle against these 800 men. And the Bible says he prevails with a spear. Now, the courage that this man had, I believe, was a result of the faith that he possessed. Do you know the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God? Let me say that again. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Faith, it has been said, is like a muscle. And the more you work it, the more you exercise it, the more it grows. And the more you can trust God, and the more you trust God, the more you see God do in your life. This man, the byproduct of his faith, was great courage. In Hebrews chapter 11, we're given what's called the Hall of Fame of the Faithful. The writer of Hebrews lists a number of men and women who did the extraordinary Because they had such deep, settled faith in God. They had an affirmation of faith which declares, I just believe what God says. They lived in the act of faith that not only do I just believe what God says, I'm going to do what God says. And then they lived in an attitude of faith that says this, I may not understand everything God's up to. I may not be able to explain everything that he's doing. 
but I'm going to listen to him and I'm going to follow his leadership and my attitude is going to be a can-do attitude, not a can't-do attitude. My attitude is going to be, yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not an attitude that is of defeat or an attitude that is negative. This man had great faith and it manifests itself in great courage. I remember when we were uh, in the construction phase of our family life center here. And I would watch those guys who, who would come to work on the building regularly. And I'll never forget the day they were pouring the concrete slab. And I watched as those workers formed out that footprint of what is now our family life center. And when they got the forms completed, truckload after truckload of concrete began to be hauled in here and they would dump the load the workers would would separate it and move it around and then another truckload and another and another and another and as I'm looking at that and I'm thinking about those forms that hold all of that concrete thousands and tens of thousands of pounds of concrete in place those forms are like our faith those forms are what holds our lives together that we would call faith Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, our lives would, would not be what God wants our lives to be. So this man had great faith. No wonder he was an unforgettable hero. He reminds me of, say, for example, Noah. He's one of the guys mentioned in Hebrews 11. Put yourself in the sandals of Noah for a moment. By the way, if you've never been to the Ark Encounter up in uh, Kentucky, I believe it is. I would encourage you to go. Uh, Tina and I were there a number of years ago. Lord willing, we're going to try to go back one of these days. But it is, a, it is a phenomenal experience to be able to walk through that life-size kind of a replica of Noah's Ark. And how he was able to build that is an incredible feat of, of engineering. But nonetheless, Noah, whom, whom the Lord said to him, Noah, I want you to build an ark a boat for the saving of your family and the saving of the human race. And uh, God said to him, it's because it's going to rain. It's going to be a global flood, a global flood of, of judgment. There had never been rain that had fallen from the skies before. The Bible says that dew would come up from the ground and water the land. But it had never rained. Noah never saw rain, had never heard of rain. Rain never existed. But listen, by faith... And with great courage against those who would ridicule him, Noah built this ark some 515 feet or so long, fills it up with the animals, and the Bible says on a particular day God called Noah and his family into the ark, and God shut the door. And Noah, because he found grace in the sight of the Lord, his life and the lives of his family were spared. He is an unforgettable hero. This man, Adino, in this verse number 8, is unforgettable in that just a sword, I mean, just a spear is all that he has. And he's willing to go into battle for his king, King David, and he defeats 800 men. That's courage. That's bravery. That takes faith. You and I may never face those kind of odds, but we all do have battles every now and again that we have to face. We all have struggles that we have to deal with on a regular basis. Listen, as you deal with your struggles, just remember you're never fighting alone. Or you're never struggling by yourself. You have a great high priest touched with the feelings and the, he sympathizes with your problems and he comes and he helps us and he will never, ever 
abandon us. And to know that, listen, that gives me great courage, doesn't it, you? And great confidence to know that God's on our side and that God walks with us and He, and he gives us what we need to be successful uh, in our Christian journey. I said in the early service this morning, my, um, uh, you know, I'm just so proud of all of the young families that are in our church. I'm proud of all of the folk in our church. Maybe not all, no, I'm proud of all of the folk in our church. Uh, but our young families, to see the struggles that young families have and how complicated life can be for them, to, you know, I'm, I'm living it out with my, my own children uh, and grandchildren now, as they think about, well, we have to find a daycare or we have to find a school and uh, we have to find babysitters and those kind of things, it's very complicated sometimes for young families if both parents work outside the home. Even if one of them is staying in the home, it still can be very complicated. There's doctor's appointments. There's places you have to go. There's all kinds of things that you deal with. Sometimes young families especially can deal with financial struggles. And I just appreciate our young families in light of all of those complications in life who still make it a priority to come and be at church and to bring their children up around the things of God. Listen, do you know your children will learn things and grab a hold of things right here in church at a young age that will, that will follow them the, re, the rest of their life. And that will be a source of encouragement to them for the rest of their life. And listen, I believe God will bless you for your faithfulness. So just keep it up and keep it up and keep serving God and serve God with great courage. And you too will be an unforgettable hero. Notice the second man. And I want you to see not just the courage of Adino. But I want you to look at the tenacity, and I love that word, the tenacity of this man, Eleazar. Probably everybody here has heard of Louis Pasteur. He's the discoverer of the principles of vaccination and microbial fermentation and pasteurization. This is what Louis Pasteur said one day. Let me tell you the secret that has led me to my goal. My strength lies solely in my tenacity. Meaning I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to quit. He continued his work and continued his work and continued his work. And now what you're going to see is this unforgettable hero who had tenacity like Louis Pasteur. And his name, the Bible says, is Eleazar. Go to verse number 9. After him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahoite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose, now notice this guy's tenacity. He arose and he smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand held on to the sword, and the Lord brought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. One translation says that his hand was frozen to the sword. Now here is a guy who goes into battle for the king, and he does such battle that he refuses to let the sword go from his hand. Even when he's tired, even when he's weary, even when he feels like he's going to give up, the Bible says it's like his, his sword was just frozen to his hand and no one was going to pry it out. That's what I was telling Tina. She was holding that grandson last week. Honey, you got to let him go. we got to get back to North Carolina. And I was telling someone earlier, she was like uh, the Apostle Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration. It says, Lord, can't we just build a temple and just stay right here? And that's what she wants to do. I said, no, you gotta, we got to pry him out of your hand. For this man, Eleazar, it's like his hand was frozen to the sword. 
as he did battle for the Lord. And the Bible says, if you will notice here, uh, it says that, uh, go back to uh, verse number verse number. Uh, uh, Verse number 10, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand was frozen to the sword, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day. Here was a guy who was just not going to give up. He was tenacious, and he had the tenacity to say, I'm not going to quit, and that's the kind of resolve we have to have in our Christian journey. Don't quit. Don't give up. You say, well, pastor, somebody said something to hurt my feelings. Listen, let it go and just keep moving forward. Amen? Somebody might have done something that we didn't like somewhere along our, our life. Let it go and just keep moving forward and have the tenacity to say, I'm going to keep moving on for God. Years ago, Charles Spurgeon said this, I hope that we may breed in this place a race of men and women who know truth. And know also what the Lord claims at their hands. And are resolved by the help of the Holy Spirit to war a good warfare for their Lord, whether others will stand at their side or not. Spurgeon just says, God give us people with tenacity like Eleazar. God give us people with stick to who are not going to give up, but they are in this thing for the long haul. And to have the tenacity to serve God even among some difficult circumstances. How many of you here today have heard of a former athlete uh, years ago? His name was Jim Thorpe. You guys heard that name? You know Jim Thorpe? Yeah, many of you know the name Jim Thorpe. Uh, Jim Thorpe, a number of years ago, was known as one of the greatest athletes uh, that has ever come from America. He played football, he played basketball, he played baseball, he was into lacrosse, he was into boxing, he was into track and field. Um, uh, Jim Thorpe was a great athlete. Now, he was born um, uh, uh, part American and part uh, American Indian, and uh, his life was impoverished as a young child. Didn't have very much money, his family didn't have very much money, but what he lacked in finances, he made up for in athletic ability. They said that he was as strong as a bull and that he was as fast as lightning. Jim Thorpe went to the Olympics in 1912 uh, in the Stockholm Olympics and his, his, uh, his specialty was the pentathlon and the decathlon. And just before he was supposed to go and, 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 and work in those events, he realized that his shoes were missing. And someone had stolen his track shoes. Now, in those days, it's not like athletes of today that had multiple pair of shoes or you could go anywhere and get the shoes that you wanted anytime you wanted. He had that one pair of track shoes, and someone had stolen the shoes. And here he was just before the big event, and he had no shoes. And he goes scrounging around to see what he could find. And in a trash can, he finds two shoes. And they're not the same size, and it's not the same kind of shoe. But he takes both of those shoes, and one of them fits fairly snugly. The other is too big, but he puts on multiple pairs of socks in order to make it fit comfortable enough that he could perform. And Jim Thorpe goes out, and he wins the gold medal in both of those events. Isn't that an amazing story? Here's a guy who said, I don't have my shoes. I'm just going to quit. No. He had the tenacity to say, I'm going to find another way, and I'm not going to give up, and I'm just going to keep on and keep on. No wonder Spurgeon said, I pray that we breed people like that in this place. 
And that's what I pray for our church family, that we breed people with the tenacity of Eleazar who want to move forward the kingdom of God and say, yes, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep moving forward because, because you know, the Bible says that God has set before each of us a race. It is the race of life. It is the Christian journey. Listen to what he says in the New Testament. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does easily beset us and let us run the race with patience. Let us run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us. With great courage, like Adino, with tenacity, like Eleazar, And then notice the third unforgettable hero. I want you to look at the relentlessness of Shema. This guy by the name of Shema. Go to verse number 11. If you're listening, say amen. After him was Shema. He tells us a little about him. And then he says, The Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But notice Shema. Verse 12. He stood in the middle of the ground, and he defended it. And he slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. Now, that may not sound like very much. What's this guy doing? He's standing in the middle of a bean, a bean patch. Is that what you call beans, a patch of beans or peas? And he has the Israeli soldiers with him, and the Philistines come for an attack. And the Bible says they all run except this one guy, Shema. And he is going to be relentless. He is not going to give up. He is not going to run in cowardice. He is not going to be intimidated because, once again, here's another guy who is outnumbered. He ultimately becomes an unforgettable hero because he says, I'm not going to give up one single bean to the enemies of God. I'm not going to give up one square inch of this bean patch to the Philistines. Well, that guy loves beans, I guess, right? But I'm not going to give up one ounce of beans to the Philistines. Here's what I think about that. God has placed each of us in our own little bean patch. And you have a family that sometimes the devil tries to come in the front door of your home or come in through the window of your home or he may try to come in through the television or through the internet and he tries to work his way into your home and what God wants us to do as moms and dads is to stand guard in that bean field and say I'm not going to give one sprout to the enemy. I'm not going to let one little bean fall by the wayside. I'm going to fight with everything that I have for my family. I don't mean just physical fighting. The Bible says we wrestle against uh, not flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual warfare. That we want dads who would say, yes, I'm going to be there for my kids. I'm not going to be absent. I'm going to be present. I'm going to be a dad that's praying for my kids and for my wife and with my family because we're not going to give up one single bean in this bean patch. No wonder Shema was an unforgettable hero because he recognized, listen, it's not just about beans. It's not just about the peas in that field. What was it really about? It was really about the enemies of God versus the Hebrew people. And it's the Philistines, if they were to come and take over, you know, the Bible says that the Philistines were the arch enemies of the Hebrews. They're among some of the first that learned how to distill uh, beer 
And they had breweries, and they, uh, archaeologists had discovered some of the breweries of the Philistines. They were actually descendants of Ham that migrated to what we know today as the Gaza Strip. And they ultimately began to migrate through Palestine, and they really dominated the Hebrews to such a place that if you were a Hebrew during the times that the Philistines were in power, you couldn't even use a metal implement to work in your own yard or garden or your farm. Or if you had one and you had to get it serviced or sharpened, you had to take it to a Philistine blacksmith, and he had to do that for you. So what Shemaiah was doing as he was defending the bean field is not just a, a plain old bean field, but he's like, I'm fighting against the forces of evil that are trying to come and take over. He said, I'm not going to let that happen. And he was a man of great courage, an unforgettable hero. One man standing against a troop of Philistine soldiers in a bean field, for heaven's sake. God has placed us all in a bean field. And God wants us to be unforgettable heroes. And I think those unforgettable heroes are men who, who love their wives like Christ Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. Unforgettable heroes are women who love their, their husbands and they willingly submit to his spiritual leadership because in so doing, they know they're, they're submitting to the leadership of the Lord. There are people who love the church and the work of the church and people who love God with their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength and just pour their energies into expanding the kingdom for the king that they love so very, very much. And that's what Shema was doing. He was just a leader who stood in the bean patch all by himself. And the Bible says that the Lord wrought, if you see that in verse number 12, a great victory. So those are just a few of the leaders. He names many more. I'll touch on just a couple. But what is the common, one common denominator that all of these men of David, these unforgettable heroes, have in common? Each one of them are servant leaders. What do I mean by a servant leader? A servant leader is someone who, who doesn't care about being out front, doesn't care about being noticed, doesn't care about being recognized, but a servant leader is someone who leads by example, and they're just serving and serving and serving and serving. And when you observe their life of service, you're inspired by them. And, and David had some men who were servant leaders leaders. Let me show you a couple of them. Go to verse 13 and just notice what happens. It's almost like this is a parenthesis that's inserted in the larger narrative. Notice verse 13, and three of the 30 chief uh, went down and came to David in the harvest time to the cave of Adullam and the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in a hold and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, now listen, have you, ever, have you ever just kind of made an off-the-cuff remark about maybe the good old days or maybe something that you missed or something that you longed for in your past? That's really what David does here as he is in the cave of Adullam. He's thinking about life back in Bethlehem when he was growing up as a boy. And look at what he says, verse 15. All oh, that one would give me a drink of the water that's in the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. Now look at the servant leaders that were around him and three of the mighty men. They's like, they're like, if David wants um, water, 
from the well of Bethlehem. We'll go to Bethlehem and we'll get him a bucket of water. And the three mighty men broke through the host of the Philistines. They drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate. And they took it and they brought it to David. But nevertheless, he wouldn't drink it thereof. But he poured it out before the Lord. In other words, now had David asked these guys to go do this? No. Had he commanded them to do this? No. They're like, we're just going to be servant leaders, and if this is what our king wants, that's what we're going to do. And David was so humbled by that that they break through the Philistine front lines, work their way into Bethlehem, put a bucket down in the well, and wind up that water and bring it back to David. This is the water you used to drink when you were a young boy. And David was so humbled by that. He pours it out as a drink offering to God, and he said, I just can't. I just can't let those men put their lives at risk to do this. In other words, these were men who just wanted to serve and just wanted to serve the king. Not just men, but in the Bible, there are women as well who do that. I think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Imagine the scandal that Mary had to live with as she listened to the whispers of her neighbor's talk about her not knowing who the father of her child was. Or you think about Naomi in the book of Ruth who came back from Moab after her husband had died and two of her sons had died. And she said, as she, as she comes back, she says, I'm bitter. My name is Mara. Naomi means pleasant. Mara means bitter. But God healed Naomi in such a way that he would use Ruth to bring the kinsman redeemer back into their family. Naomi had great, great faith in God. Or what about, uh, what about Esther? Here was a woman in the Old Testament who heard that, that the king uh, had it out. King Xerxes had it out for the Jewish people, and they were going to be killed. And she appeals to Xerxes when she was not supposed to do that, but appeals to him on behalf of her, her, uh, her brethren, the Jewish people. And she simply said, if I perish, I perish. Unforgettable heroes. These men were that way to David. His mighty warriors. Look in verse number 18. Here's another one. Abishai, the brother of Joab. He was chief among them, and he lifted up his spear against 300 all by himself. Remember, Abishai was the one who told David last week when Shimei was cursing David, he said, I'll just take my sword and I'll go cut his head off. He was always ready to go to battle for David. Look in verse 19. He was not the most honorable of the three, but he was their captain, and he obtained not unto the first three. But he did lead this army and by himself killed 300 enemies of the Lord. Look in verse 20 now. And Benani, the son of Jehoiada, the son of the valiant man of um, Kabzal, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab, and he went down also and slew a lion in the midst of the pit in the time of snow. He slew an Egyptian, a goodly man, and the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down with him with a staff, and he plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. You know, these are obscure passages to us. We probably don't know these very well, but what a story of just regular people whom God would use to do extraordinary things, who became unforgettable heroes because they lived by courage and because they, they live by great tenacity and said, we're not going to give up and we're not going to quit and we're not going to throw in the towel. And because they had that heart of servant leadership. In the remainder of this chapter are a number of men, remember I, I said somewhere around 30 or so, 
that David says, these are my guys. And they help David become successful as the king. Now, maybe you're sitting there this morning and you think, Pastor Darrell, I'm just not cut from that kind of cloth. Well, I would say to you, nor am I. But listen to this passage from the New Testament. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise and what is weak to shame the strong. In other words, if we'll make ourselves available to God, He can take our own inabilities and insecurities and He could use them in such a way that He does wonderful things and advances His kingdom in a wonderful way. He can take our weaknesses and turn them into strengths. He can take our insecurities and turn it into confidence, things that can be used for His honor and for His glory and make us unforgettable heroes. When Todd Beamer picked up that air phone in hopes of connecting with his wife, Lisa, the only person he could get on the other end was an, was an operator. And the operator, after the tragedy of the crash, was interviewed and she told what the conversation between her and Todd Beamer was. And he wanted her to tell his family that he loved them. And Todd Beamer said this, Would you say with me the Lord's Prayer? And they asked the operator, well, what did you do? And she said, together we said the Lord's Prayer. And just before he would go to his death, his words were, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. and Forgive us our debts as we forget our debt, forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. And before the phone went silent in the cabin, she said his last words were, God, help me. Jesus, help me. And she said he wasn't upset. He wasn't upset at all. He was very peaceful. And Todd Beamer became unforgettable hero. The greatest hero of all time is my hero, the Lord Jesus, who so loved the world that he sacrificed his own life on the cross of Calvary that we could have eternal life and be part of God's forever family. Listen, if I live this life and a thousand more, I'll never be able to thank him enough for what he's done for me. Amen, church? Don't you feel the same way? God wants you to be one of those unforgettable heroes. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being so good to us, and thank you for your word that truly is so inspirational and how it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. As we have this time of invitation and we just simply, Lord, make the appeal for folk to make decisions. There may be folk here today, Lord, that have never been saved and they want to come today and say, Pastor Darrell, I want to be saved this morning and I want you to pray for me. Maybe there are others who want to unite with our church family or just want to come and pray. Take the invitation and use it in a way that will bring you honor and bring you glory. In Christ's name, amen.